if you're like me, you want to get your business ahead, but there's certain skills you need, but you just don't have. If this sounds like you, then you need to head over to Fiverr. They have a whole array of professionals that can help you in different areas from design to writing, marketing, and more. They have you covered. I seriously can't tell you how much Fiverr.com has helped me along with this podcast. Um, I've used them so much for this podcast. It's been unreal. They make my flyers. They go ahead and um, I hired this guy to help me upload the each episode and in the beginning in order for me to be all over the place it was I was totally going on Fiverr it was I seriously just it's I've gotten so much for my business through them so please use my link which you can find in the description of this episode or you can go to marcellaalonzo.com and book there through Fiverr today you'll be glad you did Hello and welcome to Get Schooled. Today I am so happy to announce I have my first international guest. She's all the way from uh, Vancouver, right? Vancouver, Canada. And I have Sia on. And Sia, I happened to find on Twitter one day, and she also has a podcast, but I really want to get to know her because not only do I like listening to her podcast, I want to get to know a little bit about her. So Sia, thank you so much for coming on to Get School today. Please introduce yourself, let everybody know where you're from, how you got into sex work, and tell us a little bit more about yourself. Totally. And thank you so much for having me on, Marcella. This is such a fun opportunity to be like on the other side of the mic <laughs> <laughs> and just like kind of switch roles. So I'm super honored um, for you to just have me here today just to chat and talk about all the things. Um, my name is Sia. I am the host and producer of Stripped by Sia, which is a sex worker um, centered podcast. So that's all about destigmatizing sex work. And I bring on different guests every single week to kind of illustrate a really broad and also a really accurate depiction of what like sex work actually is because oftentimes the media will say we're this and we're abused and we're all drug addicts and all the other stereotypes that you've heard under the sun so I'm just here to kind of set the record straight and just to humanize sex workers educate people that maybe are not familiar with their line of work and also just to create a community as well and strengthen our community that we have so other than that, um, yeah, I'm also a sex worker, obviously. I got my start as a sugar baby 10 years ago. I started stripping maybe about six six or so years ago and did a bit of fetish work. And now I'm doing camming as well. I'm like, what else did I do? Make a lot of different customs. I'm a digital content creator. So I have like obviously the online work as well. And in addition to non-sex work stuff, I'm also a freelancing marketing consultant. So working digital marketing. And I also have a YouTube channel as well on noodles, which is completely unrelated. And it's, it's a different kind of nudes that I do on there. It's, PG-13. <laughs> <laughs> it's all regular, uh, safe stuff. But other than that, um, I guess like talking about sex work. Yeah, I briefly mentioned I started in sex work about 10 years ago as a mm -hmm. sugar baby. And that was pretty much 
after I'd gotten out of a big breakup, um, it was a really difficult time for myself. My roommate at the time was like, well, I know you like older guys. And there's this website called Seeking Arrangement that you might be interested in. And you can get paid to go on dates and get them, you know, like they paid for a friend's boobs and blah, 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 and take you on trips and all that stuff. And I was like, oh, that sounds like right down my alley. But like, little did I know, and naive me didn't understand like the work aspect of it all. Mm -hmm. And for me, I was just like, okay, I'll just go on these dates with these guys and blah, 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 but not realizing the elephant in the room, which is okay. Well, the expectation is to have sex and that's what seeking arrangement is for, you know, there's an exchange for um, either money or whatever it is that you are trying to negotiate within your arrangement in exchange for sex for your time to be a companion, etc. But um, that's kind of how I got started into it all. And as you know, because you've tried everything under the books, almost everything under the books too, as many sex workers do, um, I kind of dabbled into yeah, other, other forms as well and still continue to do um, things like OnlyFans and creating customs, camming and stripping regularly. So, but I have now since retired from sugaring, so... Mm-hmm. That's just me in a nutshell. <laughs> and one thing, Canada, the laws are more, because I remember I took a trip. It is the law, it's the Nordic model, correct me, yes. in um, Canada. And how is that different versus the United States for the laws of prostitution? Yeah, so it's a little bit different, uh, equally confusing and also equally damaging mm-hmm. for sex workers as well. So um, the prostitution laws are really great. Um, here in Canada. So it criminalizes the purchase of sex, which doesn't criminalize, um, it criminalizes the purchase of sex, basically. Mm -hmm. So, and there's things you can and cannot do um, under Bill C-36. So under that legislation, which again was put into the equivalent of um, a a Republican Mm -hmm. kind of, like we call it conservative here in Canada. Right put in by that government long time ago. And that basically bars people from advertising their sex work. Um, You can't be in the proximity of like a school and stuff like that, because of course we have to protect the children. They always try to hide behind this wall of protecting the children. And, um, and what else? Yeah, stuff like that. But it's really gray. The The legal jargon around it is very confusing for a lot of people to understand, including myself. Um, but what that does is actually push pushes the work underground, just like with FOSTA SESTA. Yeah. Pushes the work underground. You have a lot more sex workers that are being at risk, um, being put in more dire or harmful situations because they can't like legally advertise and whatnot. So Um, There's a lot of like under the table or like um, into like not the black market, but just like unsafe working conditions, basically. Mm -hmm. So it's um, not fun. We are currently I know like the Canadian Alliance for Sex Work Law Reform is working on trying to dispute that, saying that that law is unconstitutional for us. And that's kind of like where things are at currently. But of course, as you know, anything to do with the law takes forever to, to, to make any change, basically. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah. depending on when the politicians in or 
Yeah. And they're rotating all the time. So it's just like a never ending uh, revolving door that just keeps swinging. And we're just like, hey, we're still here. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, so it's a little bit different in Canada. Um, Obviously, like a lot of people are always for full decrim here. And I'm not speaking for all folks, but what I hear from a lot of nonprofit organizations here in Canada is that they're all they're also fighting for a full decrim model, which would hopefully be the goal. But not sure when and if that will happen, but we can pray and hope that will one day materialize. But who knows? (laughs) when did you so you you did sugaring for a period of time and then you started dancing how was that transition yeah so yeah it was kind of like at the tail end of my sugaring career and I started pole dancing at that time because I was like well I've always been interested in this I'm actually making some money now so I can actually afford to take lessons and um yeah I know one of my colleagues was um encouraging me to try to try out at like one of the strip clubs for amateur night and of course amateur night again naive old me was like <laughs> oh yeah like amateur night like what is that like do you just dance in your underwear and stuff like so I'm so, it was so green at that time and um no they're like nope but uh, you have to completely undress it's a fully nude club all the clubs here are fully nude and can't and I can't speak for all of Canada I want I want to assume all of Canada but specifically here in the west coast it is a fully nude type situation um so that happened I freaked out backed out and then at the last minute I was like no I'm gonna do it (laughs) (laughs) which was a lot of fun and basically I just I got thrust into that because I was curious about it I I would like to say that I'm an exhibitionist as well so it just kind of went hand in hand and at that time again not in a similar, well, kind of like on a similar vein as sugaring. I didn't really see that as work too much. And I had my own like internal horophobia during this period. I would say like for the first like five years of in sex work, I was very much like, oh, no, I'm not one of those girls. I'm I'm not an escort. <laughs> um, I don't want to be associated with that. And there's yeah. a stigma with that because I understood that and I wasn't quite ready to kind of take the plunge uh for that which I think a lot of people kind of go through as well um until I I probably did like about like 20 amateur nights and then the agent was just like you need to work for us like this is ridiculous <laughs> <laughs> so wait a minute in Canada you have an agent to go into strip club is that how it works um, for feature dancers. Oh, so, okay. For, uh, dancers. for yeah. feature dancers. Yeah. So if you want to work on stage, if you want to get paid for your shows, uh-huh. um, then yes, you have to work with the agency, which I have thoughts and feelings on as well. Um, <laughs> which is a whole complicated politicized matter as well. Right. But if you want to freelance, just like anywhere else in the world, you can go ahead and pay your drop-in fee. You can freelance all night, um, pick your days and stuff. There's no like minimum and maximum that you want to be at the club if you want to work one day you could work right. day, five days whatever but um for stage dancing and feature dancing yes you do have to work with the agency oh, okay and that's people. really popular the feature dancing I feel like it is but yeah like I, it just depends on what you want to do but because I, I love performing I love pole dancing I mm-hmm. love like, really creating arts and creating um different shows and stuff like that to me is really important yeah uh, 
I do. I mean, I'm not the biggest fan of freelancing or VIP. I know that's where the money is, but like, yeah. I'm just like, so I don't know, the older I get, the lazier I get sometimes. <laughs> I get no patience. No, but I was a house dancer for many years and I do a great now. Like I, I look back and I'm like, oh my God, I used to just go in there for six to eight hours. And with the, it was a lot of work yeah. back then, but it is a young yes. girl's game. I don't care what anybody says, but you're on your feet as a house dancer, you know? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's tiring and hustling. It's all hustling. Yeah. And I'm the best one at that. I'll be honest about that. I'm not the best one. I, I'm best on stage interacting with people and that's where my comfort zone is. Selling is a, area that I need to definitely work on (laughs) but yeah so but it's been going it's been going good I have like a bunch of bookings coming up which is really exciting and it's something I really enjoy doing oh well so you're you're currently while you're doing the podcast while you're camming you're currently feature dancing too yeah yeah wow that's so impressive it's a lot of things going on I like to try to do like one booking a month um just because like dancing for me is not my full-time source of income right I also don't really want to take space from other girls that that need the work Mm -hmm. uh, more than I do and I don't know honestly the money isn't that great (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if that's because of recession or just how it is with the strip clubs but right yeah no I get it so how did you do with um you had this 10-year period of time you went to sugaring you went to dancing now Mm. bring us because I was in New York when COVID started so I sold the worst Mm. of the worst I was right in Manhattan how was um COVID for sex workers in Canada How, how was that experience Oh my God, that was something else. That was something else for sure. Uh-huh. So yes, in addition to like everything, I pretty much lost all my jobs. Luckily, I already had an OnlyFans at that time. So I had that to kind of keep me afloat a little bit because it was online and I can do that from home and whenever. Mm-hmm. But then of course, everyone and their dog was doing OnlyFans at the yeah. time too. <laughs> but-, <laughs> but it was... um. It was rough work-wise and trying to market myself online and hustle myself online was also difficult. Um, I had also tried my hand at camming at that time on my my free cams. And like, I was like, this is hard to do. (laughs) This is really hard to do. And just like the the token to dollar ratio, I just was like, this is really not worth my time sitting here for hours making like a hundred dollars. Like it it just didn't make sense to me. Um, So that was tricky. Uh, During COVID, the government of Canada, they were giving out some money Mm -hmm. for, to help folks and sex workers that have that had done their taxes before were able to access those funds mm. so that was good to receive that it was called CERB um but uh that that went on for a while because I know that they switched it over basically it was like four months of like free money from the government with an expectation that you had to pay that back of course mm-hmm. that was counted as income so but it was at least nice to have that because I know there were so many sex workers during that time that were really struggling and yeah. didn't have access to a lot of aid or any kind of money and stuff like that so I feel like we were pretty lucky in Canada 
compared to the states. Like I heard there wasn't a lot of money being given out either. Um, well, for I know for New York, um, they had um, a lot of people I know of that weren't in some people in sex work. I know of and some people that weren't not in sex work and even people I know that did other jobs a lot of people did get unemployment Mm -hmm. um I chose not to go after unemployment because at the time I was doing that was a personal decision I felt like you know other people needed I'm not gonna and I it just made me work harder on like Mm OnlyFans and doing everything online um but I feel I can speak for New York and as much as people like talk crap about New York. New York was, they really took care of us. Um, I remember at one point I was living in Manhattan and, um, they gave the school started giving free food, but it, and it wasn't just for the kids. So where I live, like Whole Foods took two hours to go. That was like the only grocery store. And there was a busted bodega to go eat from. And it was very expensive. So I used to go to the school because I had like no way of getting groceries. This is how bad it was wow. for me. And I would get a couple of things and then I would like doctor stuff up. So I was very thankful that New York had that. And then I have family that was in Florida. And I I remember telling a family member, they're like, you can't, they were in Florida, for instance, because every state is so different. But a family member told me in Florida, hey, I can't get any food um, because of the fact that Mm -hmm. you have to have a kid in the school. So New York was very, very generous to us. Mm -hmm. And some people even got, and I think this was a good program. Um, They had it for lower income and they had it for middle income where some people were given a year of free rent. Um, Right. Yeah. That was a whole thing. Yeah. And I know they did that in New York and Florida. Apparently a lot of people didn't have so much programs as they did in New York. So Mm -hmm. I feel like we're in my standpoint, what I saw personally, I felt like the States did a lot of stuff. Good. Okay. Good to hear that. Yeah, That was good. Um, and then I, like I said, and I was, I just, for me, I just hustled even harder than I ever did before, you know, yeah. and, and I thrived from that. But um, I, I did, I was kind of wondering what was going on from Canada. Cause I remember I saw something about the truckers. Oh like, my God. Yeah. yeah like I've seen all sorts <laughs> of, I seen so, so many crazy things and I don't know what to believe, but me being the fact that I was in Manhattan, right. When I, I, I believe COVID is real. I did see um, right next to where I live was a NYCHA property. And mm-hmm. it was a, a NYCHA is New York City Housing um, Authority. And okay. basically it was um, uh, housing for the elderly. So mm-hmm. there was two nights during the pandemic after the end of March to April around that time, two nights in a row, I heard nonstop ambulance and I literally saw body bags. And oh, it was God. it was it was a very sad time because some of those older people, you didn't see them outside. So it was real. And yeah. then even um, yeah. I think um, some a hospital I passed by, there was the refrigerator and the body bags going in there from COVID. So it was serious in New York. Oh and I honestly, I think it was serious in New York. Like I, I have a theory that because of the cold weather, I feel like it thrived more than it would do in Florida. And I feel like right. Florida didn't see it so much because it's always sunny there. Oh, sunny. Yes. It's always hard. <laughs> like yeah. in Vancouver, it was weird. Like, <sighs> It was, the streets were so empty. It was so eerie during that time. And just like seeing all the business shut down, a lot of like mm-hmm. boarded up businesses, 
they made like a lot of murals and stuff. You're mentioning the whole Freedom Convoy, which I thought was crazy too, in terms of like, there are actually bigger problems in the world. And like, this is my right and blah, blah, blah. You're taking away our freedoms. I'm like, you don't know what freedom is. Yeah, you don't don't know know what you have. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so that was a, an interesting time. And like when things started to open up again um, for like the clubs, for, for mm-hmm. instance, it was interesting too because like the club was open, at least one of the clubs that I worked at was open from like six to 10. So everything was like closing super early. They had very strict rules and licenses during that time mm-hmm. that you had, like you were able to like a lot of patios were able to open for like restaurants and stuff too. I think they, I think the strip club that I worked for was trying to like sell food and like come off as like a sports bar kind of thing. And they had like all this tape that was like one fit distance away from the stage. And then some <laughs> clubs had glass. Like it was crazy. <laughs> it was really weird, but it was really nice to see the patrons still coming out and supporting us. So, so that was good. And there was, yeah, no lap dances or anything during that time, just oh, stage wow. dances. Stage dances. Yeah, it was really, it was crazy. It was such a weird, weird time. Although I do miss going home early. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that I was really, I'm like, that was the good part. That was the good part. So would your camming experience, because um, I feel like camming is anywhere. What site do you use now for camming and how have you, do you use a schedule? Tell us about that end of your life of sex work. Yeah, I would say that's like the newest part that I've been consistently doing. So that's mm-hmm. been really great. And I'm with, I'm with Streamate and they're awesome. And I would kind of like describe that platform as like a virtual strip club. Like you have your freemium chat, which is like, okay, you pay your cover and like you're, well, not you're, you're not paying anything when you go on there, Yeah, but you're going in there for your free show. And then they have like, um, something called privates which is like a private group show that you pay into per per minute mm-hmm. and then they also have your exclusive which in my opinion is just like your private dance you get one-on-one time with the client and they really push for a lot of exclusive a lot of privates and stuff which is what I really liked and it's been a great experience so far and basically how I fell into that and how I started revisiting camming was that I actually with a podcast with Strip by Sia I was approached by Streamate to partner with them as like a community, uh, like a brand partner, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, they were highlight. They're doing something called um, Beyond Sex Work um, for their Elevate program, where they're kind Literally. of different folks in the industry, kind of doing good for the community. So they gave me this brand partnership, and I was able to kind of play around the platform. And then I just decided to stay on there since December. So mm-hmm. that's. <laughs> that's been good oh I use streammate yeah. as well I I have yeah. to say it's like I think with camming sites for all sex workers you kind of it's sort of like the strip club you have to fair you have to go into what you feel is right for you but um I love streammate because it's very simple to use there's no tokens yes. it's really no gimmicks and Believe it or not, like I've gotten some good regulars when I've been the, the problem with me now, though, I feel like I'm getting overwhelmed with everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which we yeah. as sex workers, we all, 
and the burnout is real. The burnout is real, but I love, um, I, I use Streammate as well, and it's a great company. And that's great that they uh, partnered up with you when you found something, you yeah. know, to do. Because it's really, they're really a great site. They've been around forever. Um, mm-hmm. And um, I actually was on Streammate in 2011. Oh, wow. And yeah. I I got off, like, I don't know why. Oh, my daughter was real young at the time. And I was like, I couldn't fit that in there. Because that's a, that's an obstacle a lot of sex workers have when they have children. Like, how do you, how do you cam? Uh, how do you do this once you have children? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's something that I want to think about, too. Because I want to definitely start a family within the next couple of years as well. And, like, how am I going to incorporate that? Or if I'm like, realistically, I'm probably going to have to just take a break and then yeah. see if I can even revisit that and get back into that space again. Um, <clears throat> because like, it's a time thing and I'm already yeah. of time. Like, but for myself, I keep them in really short spurts. Like I usually can for about an hour, maybe two hours max. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause that's literally all the time I have in a day f- to dedicate for that. Right. Um, I'm really specific with having like work boundaries um, just because as we, as we just mentioned, like the burnout is really real. No, yeah. <laughs> so for me, it's really important to have like specific time blocks or like for myself, I like to try to keep my work and have myself be done at like a normal quote unquote kind of schedule and try to be done at like 5 PM if I can, and then have the rest of my time to spend with my partner, go out and like work out, do things unwind and not just be on my laptop because it's a lot of just like oh yeah (laughs) you know (laughs) oh yeah yeah the burnout is real and that's so important that we as sex workers we kind of preach that to other sex workers instead of um I found though the negative thing about the um and this is kind of why I started my podcast is I would go in these groups and everybody was so competitive and nobody really had balance. And it was like this big competition where when I stripped, we were more like a family. Yeah. And, and I, which, you know, how the strip clubs are, it's a beautiful thing. Um, yeah. strippers have, but uh, I that burnout, we have to do that for our mental health. Yeah, I agree. And like, sometimes like, it's, it can come from a, a place of privilege too. Can you actually afford to take a break? Yeah. Are, are you in the position to do that? There's a lot of survival sex workers out there as well, where that's not an option for them. They don't have the opportunity to take a break. So I, I like for myself, that's important for me. That's where I am in my life. I'm very happy to have the opportunity to take breaks and, and like, you know, go on vacation. Like I just came back from Miami for, for like 10 days. I didn't bring my laptop. So I was like, I don't want to do any work. <laughs> While I'm here, because I will be tempted to like go on and right, 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 or something. <laughs> but I, I think it's really important, and and if you can be afforded the luxury of taking a break, I think it's important that you do that because you're just gonna go into this never-ending cycle of burnout and just like ha- I don't know if I find pe- people that are constantly in burnout have a very different and bitter perspective. Yes, on, on whatever industry they're in, whether yeah. it's or working in an office or whatever you begin to resent your job yeah I don't want to get to that point yeah (laughs) yeah no I I've had you in the past when my children were younger because I didn't get child support at all um Mm -hmm. I I was more of a survival sex worker and I had no choice and 
what's crazy is recently my 18 year old hits me up and she's asking mom I have cramps what do I tell my employer and I said you know I don't know what to tell your employer because and I had to have it I had to call my own mom and tell her like I never had I don't know the feeling because I had to I had to show up no matter what in pain in different situations because I had to do what I had to do because I had you know, kids and I had to pay rent and I had no child support. And a lot of sex workers are in that position. Yes. And, and it's, it's, you know, it's, it's not all sex workers are uh, making tons of money, living this crazy, wonderful life. Yeah. yeah that's a whole, like, I don't know. Yeah. There's a good upper echelon of people that are making bank, but I don't know for myself, like I'm making like, you know, decently good money. But it's like, uh, I have so many bills to pay and it's like, not like it's cheap to live and work and play in Vancouver either. And like, right. along with the recession that's happening right now and the economy going down, like, it's like, it's a lot. It's a yeah. lot. I feel like, I don't know, maybe it's taboo to talk about money sometimes too, but I feel like a lot of um, the folks that I work with, we're all making kind of like similar money, but it's not like extremely wealthy which a lot of people might think that we do because it's so sensationalized and and our lifestyle is so glamorized too right you know and you see a lot of stuff on like strip talk and like just online just like oh my gosh this well is- that's why I have to say that's where I like I was listening to your podcast and I really admire because as a sex worker too I really get I'm really tired of listening to podcasts where girls are like, I made 150. Oh, I made this. I did. And they're not talking to about the realities and uh, they're not really, they're not in talking about what they're in. Some of these people that are making this crazy amount of money are spending 20 or 30, sometimes 50,000 a month to make this absurd yeah. amount of money. And I took statistics in college and believe it or not, and it's just not sustain. It's not a sustainable business model, right? At all. Um, and, and and as you know, you've been in the game for over ten years. Stuff changes. Oh yeah, and you have to be able to adapt to that. Yeah, you have to adapt, and you might be in. You know, you might be doing good at one club, or you might try this or that. But then next year, things are going to get be different. So you have to be able to diversify. Oh yeah. Such a great point too. Diversification. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of us found that out with one, with the pandemic being one thing. Um, Another thing, a lot of people putting everything into OnlyFans and they were threatening. Mm. Now I remember they're threatening to shut down a couple of years ago. So I feel like we learned a lot of lessons from those times and not to put all your eggs in a basket because um, you can lose (laughs) everything in like in a heartbeat, basically, and being able to dip our toes into a lot of things and being able to see what platforms and stuff work out for us, it, I feel like it strengthens your business. Yes. And and more people can find you that way as well. Right. Now, what brought you to the idea of, what brought you to the idea of um, your podcast and tell me your journey from start to where you currently are? Oh, for sure. Yeah. So I started Stripped by Sia back in 2019. And that was during a week at the club. And I was just, you know, trying to sell dances and hustle. And I remember one of the clients that I had 
was like, I don't can't remember the exact statement he said, but he was like, strippers are awesome. You guys are all like influencers. You have so many like followers on Twitter and, and like Instagram and stuff. And you guys have a lot of stories to tell. Like you guys are like what you see on stage is already so magical. But then like, if you actually go into deep conversation with them, then there's a lot of things that, that people can reveal and lots of stories that you don't get to hear of. And I was like, wow, this, that really stuck with me. Cause I had been wanting to create a podcast for a long time. I'm a huge podcast listener myself. I'm a total nerd. So I was like, okay, this is going to be the idea. And basically uh, two weeks after that, I started my show and yeah, I already had a concept down in mind. My mission statement is still the same, exactly what I told you in the beginning of the show. So destigmatizing sex work, educating and humanizing sex workers. And um, at that time, season one was all like, in, like interviewing my friends and people in person and folks that I knew in my circle here in Vancouver. And then the, the pandemic happened after season one. And I was like, okay, like, do I continue doing this? Like, maybe I'll do a COVID mini series. So I did a COVID mini series. I did a BLM mini series. And then there was just demand for me to keep going. So I just started doing that recording virtually. And that has honestly been a really great thing for me because it's been able, it's enabled me to reach so many people globally around the world and hear about sex work in so many different areas and how it's a vastly different from North America or Europe or Australia and stuff too. And just hearing people's experiences and me being able to spread the word globally has been Mm -hmm. just amazing. And, And I just feel like every single year it just gets better and better starting off with like invitations to like guest lecture at universities, which has been nice guest lecturing um, or um, kind of doing panels and, and focus groups. I got to work with the UN because of the work that I've done. with. Oh, the wow. Yeah. So that's happened. Brand partnerships. Um, gosh, it's been so many great opportunities. I was just in Hustler magazine last week. So it's just mm-hmm. like a lot of things a lot of opportunities that were presented to me that I would have never seen if Mm -hmm. it wasn't for the show and perseverance um, to really want to tell these people's stories because we matter and we're human. (laughs) So that's like the motivation that just keeps me going because like, there's so many stories and so many corners of the industry that I don't even know myself. Yeah. That's continually evolving. So I want to be here for it. And I want to be able to, to be the one to tell those stories. Yeah, you do a very, I listened to, cause I had Alice Little and I shared with you, I had to listen yeah. to Alice Little. Amazing. She's, she's amazing again. So um, I do love your episodes because it, it, it's, it's just refreshing as a sex worker. And then somebody that has it, I'm hearing real stories, not mm-hmm. Um, the sensationalized come join or a pitch for a coaching it's real what the realities of sex workers and what um, I was actually watching a tv show on apple called shrinking and recently they had um, the guy in the show in the move in the tv show called shrinking they actually had a positive image of a sex worker so they they did whoever the writers were they did kind of a good job I have to say the best oh good they did so the apparently his wife died and he hired a sex worker to help him whatever and then a guy shows up and he has another sex worker and he keeps it quiet 
and he's a therapist and then he he acknowledged that she was a sex worker he he didn't keep it uncomfortable or anything with her but it was just nice that i'm seeing a change with hollywood yeah yeah which is nice because we're not the drug addict hooker that's you you get what i'm saying and for a long time i was a stripper and people would talk people don't really know how strippers really are um you know what I mean? And they're the best, they, they were the best people in the world that I worked with, honestly, you know, a lot of strippers that I work with yeah. um, were great, but it's great how it is getting more accepted, but then also we, we need to just humanize it too. And you're doing mm-hmm. a great job with some of your episodes. Do you have like a favorite episode? Like there's oh somebody God. that you just love <laughs> that you like, I have to say, Alice Little is like what she's up there. She's up there. <laughs> she's up there. So many. Like I've had over two hundred episodes, including yeah. only miniseries. So it's just been insane. Um, some great recent ones. Um, I loved my conversation. Yes, with Alice Little, who was oh, she's great. Amazing. Sophia Locke, uh, who I just had on, was also just very well spoken. I just oh, I listened to that episode. That's a good episode. Yeah, because she yeah, was so the one that left the industry and then came back, right? Yeah, exactly. Oh, I, yeah. yeah, yeah, that was good. Great, and like, and I just love it when a guest that I bring on, I'm already having biases. I try as much as I can to be unbiased, but like when they're able to challenge that bias and and change my way of thinking I really like that and like Sophia did that for me so I thought that was really really cool um because I had this whole thing I'm like okay so your ex-husband like made you quit and blah blah blah. and that's what I thought because that's what I had read and that's what I had researched before right but you know with the tabloids and with like all these articles that are out there like there's almost just like a little like gram of truth and then like it just gets Right. right to some other lies um that gosh there has been so many great people but it'd be unfair for me to pick a favorite but like I, again I'm just like trying to like jog my memory <laughs> who's recent in this season but yeah those are those are two great ones I really really enjoyed and also the episode that's out right now with with a fellow sex worker Zeus who helps take down uh leaked content for sex workers for mm-hmm. for, for free and he's had over 15 years of experience doing that um that I think is a great episode that everyone needs to hear about as well um just because like you know when you are entering this industry you kind of have to have the expectation that like your content might be stolen and what do you do after that and where do you go from there so so yeah yeah. but let's not like for for myself the guests that I bring on like I just love it when I'm able to not even look at my notes and the conversation's just flowing and <laughs> they're able to just keep talking and like we're going off on tangents and we, it's just great and it's a really rich conversation um for myself like when I'm thinking like back to like season one nothing wrong with season one but like my personal interviewing skills oh cringe like <laughs> oh it's a process learning it, it is, is such a process and nobody like I I still do my research um with different podcasts um and sometimes I watch people and I realize like it, 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 it you kind of have to like keep on doing it. It's like riding a bike. Yeah. Yeah. It's like practice, right? Yeah. <laughs> it, it, you just have to keep on, keep on. And I, I kind of beat myself up because sometimes like I see like 
um, there was somebody that I interviewed and they did a really good interview. And I was like, oh, how can I make this interview different? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I beat myself up like that. But it's it's the interviewing skill. It's just such a process. Yeah. And especially like when I like want to talk about and dig into pieces of conversation that are a little bit deeper mm-hmm. and not just like the really bore well from in my opinion can be really boring just talking about a really like common questions like what's your favorite sex position uh. and like what was your favorite scene to shoot and blah 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 and like and I do hear that with a lot of other mainstream podcasts that you know may the hosts generally are never in sex work but they're yeah. really trying to get that out yeah I think that's so problematic it's just like don't I do you too about the actual person and not just about like stuff you could already find the internet that's already googleable like it's, it's boring to me right right I think that is problematic and that's a very big um you have a lot of people that are not sex workers that come on and they don't um they ask like I oh I have to say I love Bella Danger after this because oh. there was a TikTok and somebody goes what do you think your kids are going to think or something and she came back at him so good and so hard yeah. and I put in the comments oh that I was like I put in the comments good for her and yeah people were like so concerned well, what about her and she said she told the guy like how idiotic and how stupid of a question is that you know what I'm saying? And it, it was a stupid question yeah. because some of the stuff they yeah. say is out of line, out of pocket. And with some of the, they don't get that. Yeah. And um, I, as a sex worker myself, I feel like though some sex, sex workers, they need to stand up for their rights. And, and also if mm-hmm. you see a podcast that is doing something, refuse to go on it. Instead of yeah. like wanting the clout, for instance, um, there is a, a place, there is somewhere in New York where um, they're very racist. They make a lot of racist statements. And I said, do not put me, I told my PR lady, I said, please don't put me ever on that channel ever again. They're racist. Um, yeah. There's been, you know, issue after issue with that whole network. I want no part of them. You know what I'm saying? And it. I think individuals, instead of wanting that clout, this is my personal opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to take a stand for what you believe in first as a person and sex workers need to do that. So, you yeah. know, I will not tolerate um, anybody that's homophobic and I will not tolerate racism. And if you're part of that agenda, I want no part of you. That's how, that's my personal stance. And that's how I will, you know, always, that's how I'm going to be forward. Um, oh. Yeah. But it's, it's, I'm seeing what I'm seeing the ugly side because I've been in the business since 1995. I'm seeing people that are just not <clears throat> standing up, you know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. Cause it's like, it, it's such a stupid question. Like, when did you first have sex? And it's, it's like, why are, are you 13 years old? Like, yeah, that's exactly how I feel about that. It's just like, okay, are we reading an episode? Like are we reading, um, a magazine edition of like Teen Vogue or something <laughs> like yeah they're not no, coming no. out and they're not sex workers they're not they're not sex workers and um maybe that's why like yours is more entertainment when I listen to you your entertainment I enjoy it mm-hmm. and it's Good. very relate relatable um and sometimes I listen to other people and I'm like okay do not do this do not do that you yeah. know what I mean so it, it's it's yeah. uh different it's it's good to see a, a podcast like yours and listen to it and and have the same enjoy of it and get different stories that are real and human and 
you know, we're being uh, destigmatized. So what is your plans now for the future with your podcast and the other things that you plan on doing? You did share that you do eventually want to have a family, but yeah, yeah, I definitely want to have a family. I'm actually getting married in May. So mm-hmm. that's oh, congratulations. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much. That's, <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. That's next month. So yeah, that's, <laughs> that's next month. So yeah, like I'm trying to make a good runway of episodes that will cover that time and hopefully the honeymoon, which I haven't planned out yet. But um, <laughs> other than that, maybe, yeah, I might have to take a break, but I'm, I haven't had to do that yet so I just feel like if I just keep on going with how I'm doing with time management it should be okay but um along with the show like really right now my goal is to put my money where my mouth is and actually do some work and give back to the community more so mm-hmm. for the past year year and a bit I've actually started volunteering at some uh nonprofit organizations that benefit sex workers mm-hmm. so I sit on the board for two of those organizations and just trying to um again trying to put my energy into good use and just being really purposeful and intent uh intentional with where I'm putting my energy and same thing goes with the show too because I, I definitely want to continue doing the show definitely um I'm going to XFIS next month for the first time. So looking forward to continue networking there and just trying to see what kind of opportunities can, can grow from that. Um, I haven't actually planned too much in terms of like where I want the podcast to go. Um, just because I knew this year was going to be really big with the wedding and a lot of personal stuff. <laughs> oh, you've got a lot on your plate. Yeah. <laughs> There's some things going on. So I'm just like, well, we'll just, we'll see what happens and I'll just align myself with the right people and right working and kind of going from there so yeah I'm hoping that it just continues to reach more people and also that people can learn a thing or two whether or not you're in the industry um I just I feel like second workers that can definitely learn a lot from the show and from your show as well but also people that are not in our industry at all I feel like it could really benefit them the most yes I think it's important uh, to really normalize having conversations like these to really instigate change um, and to really um, kind of change people's perspectives or at least challenge those perspectives too. So I'm really hoping that I have changed some people's minds <laughs> about. Well, I, I think it's good with a, with a realistic podcast because of not sensationalizing it and giving kind of not being negative about the industry, but, um, and I telling the truth and the realities. and, yeah. um, the episode that you had with Sophia Locke, it was really like an eye opener for a majority of people that are in the business for them to understand. I felt like that was a great episode because people don't realize when you jump in the sex work, it's not you. Sometimes you pay for it in the relationship department too. And a lot of nobody's really telling you the aspect. Um, I was single for many years because I, um, I was a single parent, but it was very, very difficult for me to date through all those years because I was open what I did for a living. And mm-hmm. I wasn't going to hide it. I wasn't going to pretend. And I wasn't going to stop just because somebody didn't like it. Um, it was because financially, are you going to support me? So it, you with sex work, a lot of us, we pay the price somewhere where with our families, in our relationships. Yeah. With our security sometimes 
to yeah. our safety, you know? Yeah, for sure. Like it's, it's a lot. And I, I'm very open about this, this is even on my LinkedIn profile. Cause uh-huh. I accept like a lot of vanilla clients for the freelance work that I do. Uh-huh. And, and that can be pretty ballsy too. Cause that can also limit the type. Oh, of- really? Tell, yeah. tell me about that. Yeah. I mean, well, well, you know, it's very, it's still very much taboo in the corporate world for any kind of sex work. Um, But I'm actually usually pretty open and upfront and I'm lucky to, luckily, lucky, lucky enough, sorry, it's been a long day, Mm -hmm. lucky enough to have um, clients that have been forthcoming about how they are accepting about the work that is, that I do and the advocacy work that I work for as well. So that's been great. But of course, I'm sure people have probably looked at my application before because of the work that is involved with the sex work and then the assumptions that come with that. Right, right. Yeah, so. Do you find that Americans are not as open-minded as Canadians from my standpoint? My standpoint personally is I feel like Canadians are way more open-minded than Americans when you're dealing with the vanilla world. What do you feel like? Depending on where. Depending (laughs) on where? Similar to how America is structured, I feel like the the coasts are pretty open-minded. Like Uh Vancouver, Toronto, Montreal are pretty good. Maybe Calgary, but Uh everything else is like very sheltered right. <laughs> maybe sheltered is the wrong word but like <laughs> maybe have not have maybe have not had as much exposure to sex work maybe that they, they don't know anything right. about sex work like a lot of the stuff is generational passed down through their parents um their pastors at church or whatever like a lot of that generational kind of um knowledge being passed down and recycled which i think mm. can be problematic but I do think with the generation like with Gen Z they are doing a great job of really questioning things and challenging things mm-hmm. when it comes to things that aren't right so I think there's hope but yeah like to answer your question I feel like yeah the <laughs> west coast and, and like certain east coast areas are pretty good right Canada there are still some shitty people out there so <laughs> Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. You've been just a wonderful guest. Um, Let everybody know where they can find you and share all your information so they can also listen to your podcast too as well. Totally. And it was such a pleasure. Like, Mm -hmm. thank you so much for having me on. It's such a great conversation. We're going to have to continue this in my podcast. So yes. (laughs) Um, But you can all find me at uh, Stripped by Sia. That is the name of the podcast. You can find it on all major podcast platforms or strippedbysia.com where I post all the episodes. You can pitch yourself to be on the show over there as well. And you can also find me on Twitter and Instagram if you want to get in touch that way. Um, my handles there are stripped by Sia as well. And if you're interested in seeing some behind the scenes footage and, you know, financially supporting the show, you're welcome to do that. It's patreon.com slash stripped by Sia, onlyfans.com slash Sia stuff, which is my name on there. If you want to catch me on Streammate, I have all the things. Um, Streammate is uh, Sia on camera. That is my name on there. And if you like noodles of any kind, it's Sia Slurps on YouTube. Thank you. Thank you so much for being on Get Schooled. Thank you.